17 and just go through the verses tonight. Let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in the word and doctrine. You know, uh, that just says what it means and means what it says. Uh, I'm not sure about all that double honor involves, but you know, uh, it said they labor in word and in doctrine. And I preached a message years ago without a preacher. And that's a lot of places where America's at today. That's why I'm glad to see men surrendering to preach. America needs preachers that can feed the flocks of God and can labor in the word and in doctrine. It's shocking to me how many people comment on Facebook about, I'm learning, I'm learning, I'm learning, I'm learning, I'm learning, I'm learning. There are people out there that are hungry. Not everybody hates God. But there's a lot of people who haven't been in a Bible church where they can be taught and taught doctrine. That's why I say, if a, if a preacher just went out and took those 52 Bible lessons and said, we're going to go through this for 52 Sundays, or the best we can do. There's a lot of things can be done, but people appreciate that. And uh, uh, the elders, let them rule, that rule well. They, they need to be ruling well. And so, anyway, that's what it is. Now, I'm going to tell you something right now. I, I, I don't like this business of... Um, if God's called you to preach, I think you need to be willing to go preach and not get paid if that's what it means. They ought to pay you. I'm not saying they shouldn't. But I'm going to tell you, you ought to be, B.R. Lakin used to say, if they won't pay me, I'll pay them. I'm going to preach. <laughs> okay? You know, you're going to call a preach. Payment is not going to be an issue. And so you have to bring a pastor and he says, well, now what kind of house are you going to give me? Live in. And if he has to say, well, now how much, how much salary? And it's not a question about, hey, is God in this? It's all about house and how much pay I get. Do I get insurance, a car, and all that kind of stuff? That's, that, that's nonsense. Yeah. Paul said, I labor with my own hands. Verse number 18, for the scripture saith, thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treadeth out the corn. And that is scripture. Go back to the Old Testament. God says, hey, you're going to have that ox tread out the corn. You let him eat the corn. You don't starve the ox to death while he's treading out the corn. Right. It says the labor is worthy of his reward. Okay? <laughs> These are self-explanatory. You don't, how many knows in here, you don't have to go three years of seminary to get this. How I many knows you don't need Greek or Hebrew to understand this? Amen. Amen. Oh my. Verse number 19. Here's a good verse for life living. Against an elder, receive not an accusation, but before two or three witnesses. If somebody comes to you and accuses an elder in the church, he just got through talking about elders that rule well, so forth. Somebody comes to you and makes an accusation against an elder, older person here in this church, an older man in this church who's been faithful down through the years. You just don't believe it. You just don't go, oh man, really? You just, don't, you just don't grab it and bite it and swallow it. You say, if that's the truth, let's get a couple of the guys and we'll talk to him. Let's go, I want to find out if this truth or not. You don't receive an accusation against an elder but with, without witness, but before two or three witnesses. You've got an accusation to make, you get you two or three witnesses and you come then and make it. You don't go around talking to everybody or telling them, or you don't even to him himself. Now, I'm going to give you the little, a thing that happened to me one time. Danny, you remember the man that went with us to Russia? Could quote scripture by literally, I'm talking about thousands of verses. You mentioned a subject, he'd just start through the Bible and quote you scriptures on that subject. Unbelievable mind in scripture. We were on the, getting ready to come home, and we were sitting on the bus traveling, and he tapped my shoulder and said, I want to talk to you. And I turned around in the seat, and he began to talk to me. He said, I have two sons, and they're both preachers. Now, this guy was a, 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 an employee of or worked at or ministered in one of the largest churches in America, one of the most well-known churches in America. If I told you who it was, you'd, you'd all say, oh, yeah, okay. And uh, uh, we had went to Russia with him. 
I turned around and he said, Reggie, I have something heavy on my heart. I said, what's the matter? He said, now this guy, when I said he quoted the Bible, he quoted King James Bible. Okay. He said, I'm a king. I mean, he was King James Bible. He believed the authorized version was the word of God. He said, so he, he quoted it. I mean, knew, unbelievable what the man knew. He said, I have two sons. He said, they've both been through the Bible college of the church that I am affiliated with. He said, now they're both passing churches and they both left the King James Bible. It just broke my heart. He said, they convinced them that the King James Bible had mistakes in it. And he said, not only that, Reggie, he said, but this has become the popular thing and the, 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 the uh, what would you call it? The, uh, the, I don't have the, I'm not, I'm at a loss for words right now, but uh, the cultural thing within the, within the religious world to use these other Bibles. And he says, just, he said, I'm just tore up about it. And he said, I don't, I don't know what to do about it. And, uh, I didn't know hardly what to tell him, you know, just pray for you and just love them, but don't stand firm and don't, don't go with them. Probably a year, year and a half later, I had him come here and speak for about three nights. After church, I think it was on the last night, I think, not sure, we, after church one night, we went to a home of some people here in the church, one just come over for ice cream and, and desserts and so forth, and we're there and we're in the living room and everybody's eating ice cream and stuff. And all of a sudden he just pops up and says, um, well, the King James Bible's got mistakes in it. I'm sitting there and I'm the pastor of the church and he makes this statement to everybody there in the living room just out of the blue. And I said, I said, what'd you say? He said, I said, the King James Bible's got mistakes in it. I said, what's this about? And where'd this come from? And he said, well, let me just give you an example. The word purloin. Nobody knows what that means. That shouldn't even be in the Bible. And I'm sitting there going, I had this man come preach. And now I'm finding out in a private home that he has moved away from the scriptures. And he has embraced what he at one time condemned to me. And I said to him, I said this, and he's sitting right across the room from me. I said, why didn't you tell me before you came that you believe like this now? You know what he did? He stood straight up out of his chair you're not supposed to rebuke an elder. Walked right over to the chair I was sitting in. Use that verse on me. I said, you know, and I, I don't know. Karen, you remember whether I stood up or not? <laughs> I don't remember whether I did or not. I said, I'm not rebuking an elder. I'm just telling you that you should have been honest enough to tell me you don't believe the Bible anymore before you, before you accepted my invitation. Because the last time I talked to you, you believed the King James Bible. I said, I don't think that's right. He left. He was staying with Karen and I. This is fun. He goes home to my house. So we get home pretty soon. And we just had a visit. I said, listen, nobody rebuking. I'm not rebuking an elder. And I said, first of all, you don't go to our church. So you're not an elder of our church. And number one, I said, just because I don't agree with you and because I challenged what you said, you shocked the daylights out of me. You're telling people to go to our church. You don't believe the Bible. And I invited you to come to church. It's, it's totally. Why didn't you tell me that? I don't understand that. Well, anyway, long story short, you left. But I'm telling you how you can get into stuff, how people use stuff. He used that verse over there, rebuke not an elder. Uh, uh, against an accusation in verse number, chapter 5, verse number 1, rebuke not an elder. He used that on me. And that's how people can rest the scriptures 
What am I supposed to do? Say, oh, bow my hands and say, oh, what of you think it's wonderful around here? There's a difference between rebuking an elder and standing up for what you believe. And I couldn't, as the church's pastor, just act like it's no big deal. And I told him at the house, I said, listen, the last conversation I had with you coming out of Russia was you were grieved over your, both your sons. Now, let me tell you what happened that, that preacher. He wanted fellowship so bad with his, his sons would not, his, see, he told me over there that his sons would not, did not want him pre, you know, they kind of were cold about having dad come because dad still used the King James Bible. Well, by the time I got done talking to him, what I figured out was that he wanted, now you listen to this, he wanted fellowship so bad with his sons that he compromised. And over the years, I've seen more people sell out. They stood firm and boy, stood defend, you know, and, but when it, their children caved out. And so anyway, anyway, just, just give you that for whatever. Verse number 20. I've never, I do not practice this. <laughs> Look at verse number two. To them, them that sin rebuke before all that others most of may fear. Woo! Does anybody tell me in the Bible some man that did that? Jesus did. John the Baptist did. I... One of the reasons I'm real, real careful, I think you should preach on sin, but I don't think, uh, uh, to me, I don't especially be, be really, really careful about pointing somebody out because if you ain't careful, they'll point something out about you that ain't right. <laughs> you, know? you know, I'm just being honest with you. I, I think you ought to rebuke, and I think it ought to be firm, and I think you ought to stand, but I think you ought to be really careful, and I would not advise any preacher in here, you know, to get it behind the pulpit and say, Sister so-and-so, you ain't dressed right. I, I wouldn't do that. There'll be people over the church feel sorry for her because you, you, you what, first of all, did you ever go to her and her husband privately and say that? Why'd you wait till you got in front of everybody at church? What's your motive for what you're doing? Okay. See, so you need to use some wisdom about this stuff. But uh, let me just say this to you. That doesn't mean you shouldn't rebuke sin. And if it gets bad enough, if it gets bad enough, then you have to do it. Because there are people that will push you to the limits to find out if you will cave and not deal with it. All right. Uh, but I would say this to a preacher, before you ever deal with it publicly, deal with it privately, if it's that important to you. Go to them and say, listen, there's an issue going on, we're going to have to deal with this. And it ain't right. Verse number 21, I charge thee before God and the Lord Jesus Christ and the elect angels that thou observe these things. And this is a big deal with me. You know, isn't it funny how some verses are more important to us than others? Yeah. You ever notice that? I find myself that way. There's some verses, boy, I just really get a hold of them, and they're, boy, they're important to me. And other verses, oh, that's, you know. It kind of depends on your spiritual gift. It really does. But here's a verse that's big to me. That thou observe these things without, I want you to underline this, without preferring one before another, doing nothing by partiality. I guess I'm just going to preach to the preachers, young preachers here tonight. This is a big one. Yes, a big one. Do not have big shots in your church. Your name's Kelly. It don't mean nothing here. I'm waiting for a wonderful a bunch of amens. If I'm partial to my family members, that's wrong. If it's wrong for your family, it's wrong for my family. I'm not partial uh, to the to Zins. Am I, Don? 
Men old dogs have some pretty tough talks in our lifetime, buddy. You know what keeps us afloat? Just being gun barrel straight with each other and saying, I love you anyway. If your name's friend, where you at, Danny? He's hiding. He's hiding. <laughs> He's back here guarding the rest of us. I ain't treating, you know, Danny been here a long time. Wonderful man. Love him. Throw my heart. But I can't, I can't be partial to him. And we tell you another thing. Go to book of, flip over there a little ways. Go to the book of James. James chapter two. How many thinks that uh, you'd like to have a judge who's partial sitting at your trial? <laughs> He's partial to Booger County people. How many knows where Booger County's at? Some of you newcomers don't know. Some of you live there and don't know it. Booger County is Douglas County. And you got a, let's say you got a judge sitting up there and he's raising Douglas County. He finds out, and, and you robbed a bank, he finds out if you're from Booger County. Well, he said, you're an old Booger County boy. I didn't know that. <laughs> Get on out of here, man. We ain't sending you to jail. You're an old Booger County boy. What's he being? Partial. What's this? Uh, you're not white. Or you're not black. Or you're not Asian. What's this? You're not a Baptist. You're not a Pentecostal. Are we partial? And here's the big one. James chapter 2. Read it. I like it. Verse number 2. Chapter 1, verse number 2. My brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect of persons. For if there come into church at Liberty Faith some Sunday morning, a man with Donald Trump comes in. I want to ask you a question. Some Sunday morning, the impossible happens. Donald Trump and Joe Biden shows up at the same service. <laughs> That's going to hurt me not to be a respecter of persons. <laughs> Thank you, Randy. You're honest. Hey, everybody. Donald Trump just walked in. Everybody. Woo! Hey, everybody. Joe Biden just walked in. <laughs> you can preach to Joe Biden. I don't want to preach to Donald Trump. <laughs> but if we're not careful, we're partial. I'll give you one. Guy walks in. He got a nose ring on. He got a satanic triangle on his face, his forehead. Tattoos from his jaw down. And the ushers back here, don't let him sit toward the front. <laughs> Here, 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 there, there's a, we got room right back there against the wall. Here comes the banker. Oh, could you folks move? We got a banker here. Yeah, don't think so. You don't think so? You know, I walked into church one time, they said, bless God and Derryman's here. Let him have the front seat. <laughs> look, what it, look what your Bible says. They're coming to your assembly, a man with a gold ring, goodly apparel, and there come also a poor man by a raiment. And you have respect unto him that weareth the gay clothing, and say unto him, Sit thou here in a good place, and say to the poor, Stand thou here, sit in my footstool. Are ye not then partial in yourselves and become judges of evil thoughts? 
Hearken, my beloved brethren, hath not God chosen the poor of this world rich in faith, heirs of the kingdom which he hath promised to them that love him? But you have despised the poor. Do not rich men oppress you and draw you before the judgment seat. Do not they blaspheme that worthy name? You can put this. Well, anyway, boy, it's about too late for that. By which you're called. If you fulfill the royal law according to Scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. You do well. But if you have respect to persons, you commit sin and are convinced of the law as transgressors. Was, oh, my goodness. This is live. This is live. But the guy, that, the guy will know, years and years and years ago, and it wasn't the doctor that was in the wrong at all. But there was a doctor that started coming to church here. Some. Okay, came to church quite a while here. To be honest about it, if somebody hadn't told you, you wouldn't know he's a doctor. Some of you don't know, but we had a neurosurgeon in church this morning. You wouldn't have known it. He didn't come in and act like nobody. He's a neurosurgeon. But somebody said to me back years ago when the doctor was coming here, he says, wow, Reg, we got a doctor coming to church now here. Well, I mean, like, we're getting up in the world now. We got doctors coming to Liberty Faith Church. <laughs> what was that? I ain't never had nobody say, Bless God, Lonnie, we got a hog farmer coming to church here now. Huh? We all know it. How many here's milked cows? And and you barely got to church on time. And you ran back to the bathroom and you stripped off them old milk clothes and put on your other clothes and took that 10 cent gallon perfume and went. Everybody can still smell it on you. But nobody does that. It's always, oh, my God, did you know who's here? See, it's just stupid. And that God hates that stuff. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> Last I checked, everybody in here walks on the same ground. All ground is level at the cross. I don't care who you are. I don't care how much money you got. I'm going to tell you straight up and gun barrel straight. Tickles me to death. God don't need your money. Amen. That's, right. That's right. You ain't bribing this church. That's right. I'm telling you. God takes care of this place. Amen. And he takes care of it without us asking people to give. Right. He can bring it in. <laughs> he can bring it in. Yeah. And he just does what he wants to do. And if he provides for it, it's one. But I want to tell you what, you walking in here and going. <laughs> you ain't going to press this preacher. I think you're up to something. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Now, if you want to give, that's wonderful. But I'm going to tell you something right now. We ought to care about the widow that ain't got no money. As much as we do that somebody does it. I'm not against you having a lot of money. I hope God blesses you up one side and down. You ain't got enough sense to, I hope you got enough sense to handle it if he gives it to you. I'm not against that. Work hard. Do all the best you can. But it ain't great. In fact, he's going to move into what I'm going to preach about next week there in, in Timothy about money. It's, boy, I'll tell you what. The Bible's really tough on that. I mean, it's tough. Let me tell you right now. I'm not spiritual enough to have much money. I'm serious with you. There's something about it that causes me to... I don't know, just to get independent and less trusting on God. Yeah. I'm sorry, but I ain't very spiritual. That's just the way it is. But anyway, we need to treat people right. Amen? I, I, I've told this story before, but we go back to 1 Timothy there, and we're going to get done just a little bit here. But uh, how many believes that? <laughs> but uh, uh, I, I told him about old Jerry Clowers when he was in college. 
Jerry got to go play on a football scholarship or something like that, and he just know he'll be out of, out of Mississippi down there. And one day, he looked through the window of the schoolroom there, and his coach was, had some kind of class there. And he looked through, the school, and he could see his dad looking in the window. Somebody had told him they're down there in that room, and his dad was going down the hallway there, and he's looking in the room, and he saw his dad's face in the window. Well, his dad wore old overhauls and just rough-looking old farmer and old brogan boots, you know. And here's this high, you know, boy, he's at the college. And Jerry Clowers lifted his hand and said, Coach, and he said, yeah, Jerry. He said, my dear old daddy's standing right outside the door. Could we just stop and I'd like for you to meet my daddy. That's what you want to be. You want to never be ashamed of your upbringing. Never be ashamed of how that he's raised in the sense of, don't be ashamed of being poor. Jerry Clowers did do all right after all. <laughs> I'll tell you what kind of Jerry, man Jerry Clowers was. They had a show up here, him and uh, 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 Jim. Who used to sing with Kelly, Helen Cornelius? Jim Ed Brown. You old so, oh, wicked man. You, uh, you knew, you knew. No, okay. Uh, well, uh, uh, Jim, Ed, Jim Ed Brown, is that right? And, uh, you're, uh, yeah, you've heard tell me. That's where he got it. It was from me. Him and Helen Cornelius <laughs> was singing up here at the football field at Mountain Grove. Well, Jerry Clower's going to be there. I didn't even care much for it. I didn't know who Helen Cornelius was. Didn't know much about Jim Ed Brown, but boy, Jerry Clower. Now, I'm telling you, buddy, I'm going to see him. That's right. So anyway, I go up there. But I'm early because I want to meet Jerry Clower. So I'm up early and people starting to come in, but there ain't a whole lot of people there. And they got the stage and behind the stage, you got a little place for them. And I'm so, I'm so, I'm so Jerry Clark, because I'm going to go back there and meet him. Don't care. So I start to walk around there and there him and Jim Ed Brown was standing talking to each other. And I could tell this ain't one of the times you jump in. So I step back. You know what Jerry Clark was doing? He was doing his best to lead Jim Ed Brown to the Lord. Amen. He put his arm on and said, Jim Ed, I love you. He said, if you don't get Christ as your Savior, you're going to bust hell wide open. You're going to die without God. And I love you. I want you to be saved, Jim Ed. You know I ain't kidding you. Boy, you how he I mean, he talked to people. And he wasn't mincing no dice. And I stood there. And I said, what kind of man is this that would witness to another nationally known country music s- singer and tell him he needs Jesus Christ as his Savior. I'll never forget that. That made me respect Jerry Clower to the day I die. Anyway, I don't know how I got off on that. We better finish this thing up. He said there in verse 22, Lay hands suddenly on no man, neither be partakers of other men's sin. Keep thyself pure. Pretty good advice, amen? When it says lay hands suddenly on no man, that means don't whoop him too fast. <laughs> I'm lying to you. I don't know what that means. He's saying, don't just lay, don't in the scriptural sense of ordination and sending forth people, don't, don't just do that without them being proved, okay? It don't mean whoop anybody fast, okay? <laughs> well, if you, t- you go to Greek, it'll tell you that you, oh, if you get to Greek, it'll tell you. It, it means don't whoop anybody real suddenly. <laughs> well, I've got scripture to prove it. Nehemiah said, you get out of here, I'll lay hands on you. Didn't he or not? Didn't he threaten to lay hands on him? <laughs> and he wasn't talking about for the presbytery either, for the ordination. <laughs> but you got to write to the Bible word of truth. I just having a little fun tonight, okay? Hey, Ed, I'll tell you what, boy, that's a heavy message this morning. I've got to enjoy myself a little bit. 
keep thyself pure. Drink no longer water, but use a little. <laughs> I, I, I know some of you think about going by the beer joint on the way home because you've read the scripture that says you can. <laughs> now, I'm going to tell you something serious here. Drink no longer water, but use a little wine for thy stomach's sake and thine often infirmities. Hmm. Timothy, you're a young man. You got stomach problem? You have infirmities? Why? I'll tell you a little secret. Pastoring people can be very, very stressful. And my guess is he had ulcers. Don't know that. I had just been selling for about a year, year and a half. I started when I was 21 years old, jumped out of the chute. The day I got home from auction school, I did an auction, and I did them for about 40 years. I was selling out entire farms, cattle, equipment, whole nine yards. Back in those days, they sold their cattle on farm sales under a tent, going 90 miles an hour. Set whole deal up. That's stupid. But anyway, I got to where I wasn't sleeping good at night and I was hurting. Went to old Doc Mitchum down here at Mountain Grove. Been there before I was born. Walked in there and sat there and pretty soon he comes in the office in the, in the waiting room there and he said, Reg, what are you doing here? I said, well, I kind of got some problems. Said, What's your problem? I said, well, my stomach's hurting. He said, lay down on that table there. He said, now I'm going to, he took his finger kind of like this, right? He says, and when I push around on your stomach, he said, you tell me when that hurts. And he did, and I'd tell him. Yeah, it hurts right there. He backed, never will forget, he backed up, crossed his arms, leaned up against the cabinet, and said, how well do you like baby food? <laughs> I said, I don't know. I, mean, I, I haven't ate any in a long time, and I don't remember the last time I ate any. <laughs> I don't think I like it. He said, if you don't quit worrying and stressing out, you're going to be eating lots of baby food. And then he looked at me and said, you're worrying about these auctions, aren't you? You're selling people out that are going broke. You're watching them cry. You're watching them hurt. He said, I know you. I've known you since you was a kid. He said, um, stress, Reggie, you've got pre-ulcer condition. And if you don't learn to not worry. You ain't going to be able to do auctions in three or four years because your stomach's going to be so messed up. You're going to have ulcers all over your stomach. Then he asked me this question. What's this? You preachers, you people listen to me. I don't care what, what job you work at. It's for everybody. He asked me this. He said, I want to ask you one question. Are you doing the best you can when you go out there for those people? I said, yeah, doc, I am. I give everything I got. He said, you listen to this doctor. You ain't had pressure on you till you've operated on a 12-year-old girl and lost her on the operating table and had to come out and tell her mom and dad that you lost her. You ain't had pressure on you till you've had to tell somebody you're terminal, you're going to die. He said, Reggie, I do my best for everybody in this doctor's office every day. But when I walk out that door right there, I'll, I get in my car, I leave it all right here. And if I hadn't, I wouldn't be an old doctor today. I'd be a dead man. 
He said, you do your very best for those people. And then you walk out that driveway, you forget that sale and you go on and live your life. If you've done the best you can, you preachers, you listen to me, you do the best you can. You're not going to be successful with everybody. You're not going to be everybody's preacher. You're not going to make everybody like you. You're not going to win everybody. You're not going to, it, it just ain't all going to work out. And you're going to have people do things that you are not ever going to understand. Right. <clears throat> just do the best you can and go, go home. I know that's not what that verse is, but it's kind of there. Now, I literally believe that the wine there is in, in, the, in the Bible, there's two kinds of wines. There's the wine that stirs, which is fermenting, and then there's the juice. And I believe this was the juice. But it don't matter. That's what God's word says. It don't matter my feeling or thoughts about it. It's just what the Bible said. But what really gets me about the whole situation is not the issue of, well, a little wine for thy stomach, for a lot of wine. My issue is about Timothy. Why is a man his age having stomach problems? And he had infirmities. But Paul said in another passage of Scripture that he gloried in his infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon him. Let me give you a little secret about serving God. God may let you go through some things that are not very pleasant so you know how to minister to other people. He may put you through sickness. He may put you through depression. He may put you through poverty so you can identify with the people that he's having you to minister to. Verse number 20. We're going to stop right there. That's enough for anybody tonight, ain't it? Uh, Would you please, everybody that was up here before, would you come up and sing? Piano players, whole nine yards. I just want to come sing. Amen. I just want to leave on a happy, happy note tonight. I just want to leave lifted up and blessed. Now you got to run. You got to do this quick and fast. Amen.